your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined by Alex and Ryan, the power trio here. After a little bit of a break following Everton's disappointing finish to the pre-World Cup Premier League season, we have the World Cup fully underway and we'll be talking about the Everton players who are performing at the World Cup. We have a couple news bits leading off the show. We'll talk about the latest on Bramley Moore Dock. We've got, of course, Everton Danende in Australia. Talk about their performance against Celtic the other day. Some injury news, as unfortunate as it is. Ryan's Are you trying most- to kill our Australian <laughs> listener Dan-en-de. base? Oh, my God. God In Australia. Be clear, that is James Their result Boyman. today was, was punishment enough. <laughs> right. Yeah, that right. was That's uh, not Alex, not Ryan. We have you great can put that respect on squarely on my for the Australian people and the Socceroos. Um, <laughs> we're rooting for you, but didn't happen. Hey, I've got a lot of respect for the Australian fans. They wake up at crazier hours than American fans a lot of the time to watch the Blues. So tip of the cap, I just had to do a ridiculous accent because why not? Everton can be miserable to watch. we got to have fun with it. Anyway, we've got news bits. We've got plenty to talk through on this episode. So let's get right into it, Alex. Kick us off with our first topic. Yeah, let's hop into it. And uh, the first bit is Everton's new stadium at Bramley Moor Dock. And the city of Liverpool have been shortlisted as part of the UK and Ireland's preliminary bid to host UEFA Euro 2028. It's one of the nine stadiums uh, from the bid based in England itself. Obviously, that's very exciting news, a stadium that is not yet fully erected. And you know what they say. They always say good news about the stadium always (laughs) comes right before bad team news. Yeah, we've got some of that coming up, I suppose, to an extent. Um, It's significant in the fact that when the thing gets built, eventually finished, um, the roof trusses going in right now look pretty sweet. Like you're starting to finally get the scale of it. Looks pretty awesome. Um, The key is making money on the non-match days. And this having a significant event is going to pull in some serious cash to not just the city, but the stadium and ultimately into Everton's coffers. And it's... We need to find different revenue streams um, in order to spend. And because there's no way financial fair play is going to continue to be here and it's going to be linked to the revenue side, even if it may look a little bit different in terms of its monitoring and how it's going to be. So to me, I mean, in, in the States, you've got certain stadiums that almost every single day of the week have something, whether it's meeting, they normally have conference like space and, and the location's amazing. So yeah, it's exciting. I think it's funny, too. Did you guys hear why Anfield was not a candidate? It's too smelly. <laughs> I hope it's egregious. Um, it is smelly. Uh, there's no doubt. Having been there, I can confirm it is smelly. Um, no, the field, the surface is not big enough. Ooh, that one's got a sting. That one's got a sting. <laughs> well, and, and honestly, why would you ever go to... I mean, if you could go to this, you know, this stadium right there, city, on the Mercy... It'd be laughable to to suggest that Anfield would be a better place to host anything fully modern stadium in and outs, all the amenities. And that that's I would expect that to continue in the future, frankly. Yeah, I mean, that's why this whole transformation is taking place. Exactly right, Ryan. Exactly. As you said, to improve opportunities to bring in revenue, it's going to be an absolutely beautiful stadium. 
and it's just great to even, you know, 2028, it feels so far off. And every time, you know, when you hear about World Cup bids a decade, almost a decade in the future, it's like, oh, that's going to be forever. And then it's all of a sudden right upon you. But this is great news. It's amazing to see the incredible progress. There's some, I think it's Baz on Twitter who's been doing like the drone footage of the build. I mean, the progress that's being made is is really impressive and it's really cool to see everything coming together. Yeah, the one guy, Mr. Drone UK, is doing a lot of it. It looks pretty sweet. The The only thing I will say, though, that I'm concerned about that has immediate impact on us now is we still don't have a financing plan in place. And so um, we'll talk about the team assessment stuff later, but th- that's pretty frustrating because, you know, in the summer we had to structure deals that were cash on the back end. Well, I mean, we, we, are we going to be stuck having to do that same thing? I mean, well, if I the think- cash isn't fronted in front... We don't have a long-term financing deal. I mean, you're going to be cash poor and you can't sit there and keep relying on the cash flows of the business to pay, you know, to, to finance the stadium build. That's crazy. Well, I thought, I thought the word on the street was very recently that Mashiri was, was looking at shopping, you know, some percentage of ownership into Everton, you know, just like, you know, as we've probably seen yeah. in the last day or two, it seems like United and Chelsea are looking at you know similar scenarios well they are and i'm sure the reason why mashiri would do that is with with a new investment partner they would have greater access to to the capital markets elsewhere because so much of his wealth is tied into um stuff that involves russia and i'm I'm assuming that's the issue here that's the delay or the complication in getting financing now don't get me wrong there's not you know i'm not a banker uh, but I don't think there's a massive appetite for you know long-term, you know, thirty-year construction-type notes and stuff that aren't going to be paid back until over a much longer period of time. I mean, there's too much risk to it's too big, so the market for that is is a little bit limited. Um, but yes, bringing in new ownership. But the question I have is like, why would anyone want to be a minority owner? Right. Like, like why? How would that even happen? And like, say, you know, Kaminsky, whoever it is in Minnesota, is is this guy, and I don't think he has the worth, the net worth to do it. I mean, how does that benefit him if he can't take control of the club? Because to me, the benefit of owning Everton for anyone, why Everton would be attractive, is. Like you can't run it much worse than <laughs> like, I, I, that sounds harsh, but, but when no, I, you know, putting wrong. my, well, putting my business hat on, I'm thinking, and does Michelle really have interest? I mean, he hasn't shown interest now in, in building up a big, strong revenue financial side that will come up with new events or new revenue streams and really take advantage of the stadium. That's not really in his wheelhouse as, as a business practitioner either. So um, I would think the transit, you know, the, the attraction is, yes, I could buy a franchise or a club for 500 million pounds. The dollar's are really strong against the pound right now. But the control you could then take of it for for better discipline and better structure, especially on the football side, can immediately pay off. I mean, we don't even have a proper footballing structure at this point. So um, I don't know. I, I think that would be the advantage. So, I mean, what do you guys think? Is there really attraction for someone to come in and say, unless it's unless it's different, unless it's you pay an X amount of dollars, you, in essence, get a higher percentage of the ownership group and maybe future options to buy more. And the benefit then to the primary owner, Mashiri, is you get the financing source. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are. I mean, both of you guys have a business background. It, it yeah, just seems, well, I don't know why someone would want to do that. I think they just want to buy all of it. Well, I would think so, too. I think if you're looking to take a minority stake, you're not going to, like you said, not only would you want control just at face value, but you're also going to want control looking at the last five or six years under Farhad Mashiri. You're like, why am I going to just cash up or, or fork up over the funds 
to facilitate this guy continuing to just send this right. whole project straight into the ground. True. And then you look at the macro picture and like how many people are going to be the interest rates. Like what are you in the cost of just materials, which thank God we secured like the steel fixed steel cost for the stadium when we did. Cause True. that's just gone absolutely bonkers. Well, that's cause he works in that industry. I mean, you know, that that's a benefit of him, but like for me, there's the other thing. Do you want to be, do you want to get in bed with this guy from a business standpoint? When with- our, when our apparent sponsor who paid that ridiculous bid for the option is now sanctioned by every Western right. country in the world. Right. You can say that you have no ties to Uzmanov, but you still do. So to me, now you have association here and that that's actually a really big thing. That's something that the company I work for does a lot with kind of third party business risk. Now, when you go into financial dealings, even with your vendors, do they have a subcontract or a relationship with the government that's I mean, and it takes a lot. I mean, people pay our firm quite a bit of money now to do that type of thing. It's sophisticated. Well, now you're opening up yourself to a whole bundle of risks. So I just, I can't see it happening. Um, but I mean, but I hope it does. I mean, I hope he does sell uh, to people that have deep enough pockets and that are strong business people, because I think they'll, I mean, he can't do any worse. Yeah. At this point, it feels like he's kind of just, he needs a lifeline to be thrown to him where he can yeah. get out with a yeah. relative without, you know. taking too much of a loss and just wash his hands of the whole thing. Because I think, I mean, if you were Farhad and you look at how the last five years has unfolded, you might be starting to think football is not for me as a business venture. Uh, Maybe I should just stick to, to being, if he cares, but if he cares cares or maybe his ego is too big and he thinks, you know, I can still turn this thing around. God, I hope that's not the case. I hope he just cuts his losses and runs, but you know, that, that remains to be seen. But I do think, you know, assuming that we're able to stay in the league and like, because if we don't, like, who knows what's going to happen with the stadium? At That's that a point, big assumption, by the way. It is, it is, and we'll get into all that stuff. But it, where this originally stemmed from, I mean, <laughs> the prospect of the stadium's completed of just the additional revenue streams is really exciting, and the fact that you know we'll have a much nicer stadium than those smelly folks across the park. I just got excited, yeah. Right when Ryan was like, "It makes no sense. Why would they ever get that sort of deal over this?" beautiful stadium near the water and then i started thinking we finally have a competitive advantage over liverpool yeah it's not on the it's not on the pitch but that's okay that'll come well i hope it will come but yeah but this is where it starts <laughs> right uh, well but that's true though i mean the, the bottom line is i mean they could charge a bazillion dollars for tickets they have a bigger international fan base and, and some other revenue streams that we don't but to be able to make greater match day revenue makes a big difference and if we set this thing up right it will make a difference we got to get a financing deal in place pronto anyway so we've had some team news um before we get into uh the match against celtic and and the australia i mean we we've been training down down under and uh the first bit of news that came out before the match was one concerning tom davies and i just have to laugh every time there's news that comes out of everton that someone That's got mean. hurt it's like you can't sick. laugh at this news i'm not That's laughing mean. at him i'm laughing out of just the sense of just like shock on this is just so ridiculous like i I, what happens like i'm afraid to go and put on one of my everton kits because i feel like i'm gonna fall down the stairs and break a toe or something like it's ridiculous but anyway you guys that's curse talk ryan that's curse talk right there it's i don't believe in the curse but some (laughs) days i'm like what is come on when it will stop i believe there's a difference james i believe it will eventually stop Uh, this isn't a massive impact on our squad but it's curious either way yeah, and it's just stinks for Tom, right? He was injured for so long last year, finally gets back in the picture, still kind of on the fringes of the squad. Well, but well the news is that, I mean, I, I didn't even read it. Yeah, Tom- the news is that he sustained a <laughs> knee injury. Uh, many people may have heard. If you haven't heard, he sustained a knee injury during a training session, doing God knows what, 
and soccer is, tennis is left. Yeah, soccer tennis. <sighs> Probably something as mundane as that. And he left Australia to go back to the UK, which is sad because I feel like Tom Davies in Australia is like a dude in his element. Like he <laughs> is chilling with the Australians and he, yeah. he, he would love it. So back to the UK to be assessed. Again, knee injury, not not a good sign. The fact that he had to leave, it wasn't just a short-term thing. So he's looking at, you know, obviously he's got time to recuperate if it's a short-term thing, but not not great for Tom. Not a huge squad impact, but it is depth that, um, we can't necessarily count on anymore. Yeah, I mean, he was getting he was getting minutes. You know what I'm saying? He, he obviously wasn't the first name on the team sheet or anything, but it seemed like Frank trusted him to an extent. You know, this next piece I think is funny when I think back, maybe like 18 months or so on on I don't know many many episodes in regards to Jordan Pickford, and this is a rumor. Um, although it's it's cited by Fabrizio Romano himself, so it, it has some legs to it, and that is that Chelsea. I mean, excuse me, that Pickford is one of the goalkeepers that Chelsea is monitoring at the moment. Not the only one, but nothing is advanced or concrete yet. Take us back to the days when uh, Pickford was not on fire, and we said no one will take him. His wages are too high. We can't get rid of him. What do we do? We're stuck with him. He's better than you know than what we could secure otherwise especially in our financial situation how are we feeling now that he is concretely linked to i guess being on their radar i started to say that aloud and i found that quite funny but how do you feel about the how do you feel about the links well what does being on their radar mean do they have a short list of 50 keepers and he's in the 30s somewhere or is he like on the short list of these are the three guys all 50 can't be mentioned by fabrizio that's a good point that's a good point but maybe they're not as a headline worthy given he's England's number one and currently in the World Cup. But look, he's had an unbelievable start to the year. He's the reason that we're even remotely competent at uh, defending right now because he saved our skin so many times. So to me, it's I mean, it's understandable that some other clubs would be coming to take a look. There's also rumors that he's that Everton are hoping to lock him down to a new deal. So um, maybe just to demand a higher transfer fee, but. No question, he's he's kind of turned the tides at the start of this campaign. The past few years of numbers don't lie. He has been below average and among the lowest performing keepers in the league, but he's still England's number one. He still has really strong moments of brilliance, and like our style of play hasn't really suited him. He's been getting kind of peppered. So, I, I mean, look, if we could offload him for a decent fee, I think it's kind of a no-brainer because you could go you know, younger, cheaper at a and reinvest that money elsewhere where it's more needed in the squad. But Ryan, curious your take. I just am a proponent of you make a decision on players. Um, you monitor them to see if they if you were right. Um, we should know our own players very well. So the point is that you know what the impact is going to be. You know their true value. This year, it's and we'll get into the numbers. I mean, his value has been unbelievable. He's basically single-handedly keeping us uh, out of the absolute seller. It's been that bad. Um, but you're right, James. I mean, historically, his performance has been very mixed. And again, metrics are hard with goalkeepers. Um, they change the models a lot, so they fluctuate a bit. But this is far and away so far Jordan Pickford's best best season. That being said, the last couple games, they've not been quite as good. And sure enough, our results went the other way. It just shows you how much we've been relying on him. But yeah, I, I believe in the you know buy low, sell high. And so to me, I, I don't think his value will ever be higher. So if he lights it up in the World Cup, True. A hundred percent. I'd sell them. I mean, I don't want you sell them for, I mean, I, I would, I would sell them in a heartbeat because I, I believe that you can replace him adequately and then use the funds to strengthen, strengthen other areas of the team 
and just the net result will be better. I mean, that's that's just my personal belief on it. It's not a shot at him, but I guess the risk is that how old is he now? There's st- It's still reason to say he's still relatively young for a keeper, relatively. He could be here for another five or six years if that's what you want. Now, I think there's some aspects of his playing style that I don't like. Um, and I just, my personal opinion is, having watched him play quite a bit yet, is I, I just... I don't think he's ever going to be super consistent as a keeper. I think a lot of what he does is on instinct. Um, and so if you, if you know, he's going to flux a little bit and you feel like you can replace him for much cheaper. I mean, that's just, that's just business, right? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Yeah. And we need to sell. Like it just goes, we cannot buy without selling. Everyone's like that. That's not just Everton. That's man city, you know? Um, so what other sellable assets do we have that we feel like we can replace? I'm leading to, to the next tweet i I, I definitely picked up on that that was really professional until you just announced like it's really smooth and then you're like i'm doing this well i am not professional let's be very clear this is a a fun podcast i think have we not established that other Uh, than this lack of swearing which let me just do this really great segue and then point out how good my segue was that's good (laughs) so smooth the segue that to the next piece that ryan was alluding to is that the rumor on the mill is that Spurs, Tottenham, are monitoring, quote-unquote. Great, great, just very vague word. A lot of monitoring going on. So much, yeah, a lot of monitoring. Monitoring none other than Anthony Gordon and his transfer status as the rumors that appeared in the offseason and during the summer transfer window seem to be starting to resurface. Spurs were obviously interested in the summer as well as Chelsea. Those start to come back, potentially swooping in in January to take him off our hands. I, mean, I think we've all made kind of our feelings on Anthony Gordon's performances this season very clear in our post-matches, but your thoughts on him potentially joining Richarlison at Spurs? Yeah, I mean, I'm completely cool with it. I, You know, I was ready to take the money in the summer. I'm ready now. Clearly, uh, you know, we've said what we need to say, like you said, about his performances. But the problem was, you know, and we said it previously too, like even last year, no one would have expected him to get the minutes that he had. Um, you know, it's not really that much of a difference in performance. I mean, he was a little bit better last year, but the nu- the numbers that are being thrown around, the situation that Ryan just covered in terms of financials and the fact that we have to sell in order to buy, um, I think all of it makes sense, you know, to be able to replace him and maybe get, you know, two players that could even, you know, depending on the fee that we're talking about, two players possibly that could produce maybe a bit better than he is currently and of different profiles too, depending on what the squad needs. You can get young players too. You know, that's, that's, that's the strange aspect of it. People are like, well, you would never want to give up a young English player. I get it. Okay, great. Uh, Look, he does have a ceiling that I think is decently high. He's got pace. He can strike a ball very well. Um, So what is prohibiting him for, for maybe reaching that ceiling? And let's, so that's the way I look at it. Okay, what is his ceiling? Realistically, realistically. And how much would he be worth in a market one day? Say in two years, he really starts producing to some extent. I still think he has some things that will hold him back. Um, he still is not getting his head up when he's running with the ball very often. His his creation, his sense of awareness, his vision is not great. Um, while he can beat people in the open field using his pace, he doesn't have that many tricks with the ball. And I, I think he has a good right foot, and I think eventually he could be a good goal scorer. I think. He's got size. He doesn't have strength yet, but he's not total weakling, but he's got length and speed, and he's got a good shot. But if you don't have, like, he's got no sauce, man. I mean, that's, I just don't know a way to say it. I've said it before on this pod, but that matters. Those little moves on the inside, which is interesting, too, because he used to play down the middle, but those little moves on the inside to kind of 
just clear a foot or two of space to get that shot off and having the footwork to do it. And, and the thing is, I don't see many young players that don't have that, that develop it. Normally you have these young creative players that have all sorts of funk and craziness and they do stuff that you're like, oh my God, why would you ever do that? And you need to try and harness them uh, so that they can be more functional within a tactic and a system. He's not exactly like that. Um, so at most, say we offer, say we were offered 25 million upfront add-ons for 35 or something. What do we think his ceiling would ever be market value wise? I mean, how many English midfielders, wingers, attacking players have ever gone for, I mean, see a $50 million player at best ever. I, I don't think so, but maybe it's possible. I mean, it's not crazy to say that, but the chances of that happening versus the chances of maybe us taking that money and then acquiring two other young players that have higher ceilings and could be better. I think it's totally worth it. And look, he, I hate to say it. We've said it on the pod, but he's not very good. <laughs> I mean, at the premier yeah. league level, I mean, he's certainly not very productive and we like him. Uh, he's a local guy and you don't like to see those guys go, but I mean, it's just business, man. It's it just, just comes business. down to the fact that it can be smart business and we can probably get players to produce more than he is right now. Yeah. So take, you, we can't afford right. based on current position and based on current performance to wait another two years for him to be able to consistently hit, you know, seven, eight, nine goals in the league. That said, the, the, the opposite of like, what's his ceiling is how much has his value dropped in the <laughs> eyes of, Everton or other teams. I mean, the deal that, you know, the 60 million rumored by Chelsea, I don't think was ever true, but we did talk about it quite a bit. Say it was even 30. I don't think we're getting 30 for him today. I don't, I really doubt it. If we did, I think we should snap, snap at it. Ryan, the number 25 you threw out, I mean, that feels like a high bid. I mean, you know, the jokes on Twitter, people are like, oh, 60 million for Anthony Gordon in the summer. I would take six for him, six pounds for him now. Like, I think some of that rings true. Like, he hasn't, continued and well, upward why did continue to improve but why did people think that we shouldn't have taken it in the summer like wh why would you change your stance he's not and part of it's the team if the team's not successful but my issue with him is he's getting the ball in dangerous areas now he's basically found himself on the bench because he's not producing yeah right right so i think you know monitoring in this context is not like gearing up to offer 50 million i think monitoring is like <clears throat> how can we lowball everton what what's the lowest bid they'll take I mean, right now, I think there's a decent amount of the fan base that would take 15, 20 and gladly take that from what for, for what he's produced this season. Well, I'll ask you this question. Would you rather have Anthony Gordon or Mohamed Kudis, who's like a half year older? I mean, we know the answer to that. Well, it's not everyone. Ladder. Some people might disagree with that. Now, I think Kudis is the much better player. Um, he's shown it in the Champions League, and he's playing in, in, in a league that's not as good in the Dutch League. But I think his profile is also better. But that's part of it, too, the profile. But that being said, I get this feeling from Frank, like he really wants to work with young English players. And, and I get that, but I just don't think that's a cost-effective way for us to do business at Everton. You know, we're not Chelsea, where you, you can afford to overpay a little bit for an English player because you think the cultural fit will be right. Um, I think we need to create pathways for cheaper alternatives and develop players. And I yeah. don't think Kudus would require that much development. Yeah, I think in that example, and I don't think Kudus would cost 25 million. I, I don't. I think I think he would. I think that would get him. Not to mention there's a financial fair play aspect of this, too. It's 25 million of profit straight for Anthony Gordon. And you're only, you know, because of amortization, say you spend 25 million on Kudus. Yes, there's a cash issue, and that's a big issue for us right now. But if there's not a cash issue and Mar uh, Farhad Mashiri is willing to fund it, that's an $5 million over, five, $25 million over five years, $5 million for amortization in a, in a single year. 
compared to 25 million hit. That's a profit of 20 million. You could buy three more players with that if all right. you care is financial fair play, assuming wages are all even. We also have an issue where Anthony Gordon's clearly going to want a better contract. And he has played more minutes um, as a first team player in the Premier League. So th- those are not wrong things, but that's a big factor here. I mean, if he's asking for 50K a week, he's not a 50K a week player at this point. God forbid he's even asking for more than that. And if that's the case, you're kind of stuck and you may have to sell him anyway. Right, right. No, that's very true. Great point. Um, we'll just have to see. I mean, I, th- I think there will be interest w- for him in January. We're going to have to have a decent contingency plan, though I really don't think there's that much of a drop off between him and any other winger. We no, I don't. Like, he's not right. that much worse than, there's he's not, not any better than, than Graham McNeil right now. So, definitely you had not. to lose him and have those two guys play. The only concern is the depth, and you can obviously replace him. So, um, more to come on that. That's going to continue to develop. It's, I think, at the, at a certain price, it's a no brainer for almost January buy would be surprising though. I, I'd be a little surprised if. Yeah, I, I just don't. Um, he's not like a reinforcement for anyone. He's like a longer term buy. Which don't get me wrong, January is the time to make those buys for South American players because they're off. It's easier to make transactions happen then. It's you know it's their off season. That's really the the, the business you want to be doing in January, where you grab the young player out of South America, but. I don't envision us necessarily doing that. But yeah, at this point, we got to think a little bit in the now, but you can buy players that can that are better now. Um, player just, in the now? There's a certain player who just became a free agent that would help us in the now. <laughs> what a segue. <laughs> hey, I didn't announce mine. And you're going to announce it for me. So let's talk about that. So uh, it seems like there's plenty of people out there on Twitter that think Cristiano Ronaldo is the right guy for Everton. What do you guys think? I mean, it's, it's hard for me to say hilarious. that without just cracking up. Honestly, I, I I really think there are people out there that believe that. I mean, there I believe that he would improve us and would be awesome to see him blue. But every, like nothing about the deal would ever make sense. Also, really, like the interview he gave with Piers Morgan and the whole exit from United is kind of a you know big mark on his legacy. It just didn't feel like it was executed well at all for a guy who probably paid pays millions in expenses every year for PR to think that that was a good move is crazy, but you know, he'd need 400 K a week in wages. He's so old at this point. We make enough buys of like 28 year olds where people are like, Oh, we need to buy younger to, to buy Ronaldo. I mean, we do have a, a history of guy, you know, Eto. It's plenty of guys who have come in well past their prime to, uh, to play for Everton, like to but, check. but it feels like he's going to be aiming. <laughs> he didn't want to say higher. it. Collect a check. Yeah, that's basically it. That's right, Alex. I mean, at the Eto stories, by the way, are unbelievable. I cannot believe he played for us. And then just some of the things that we'd say, just so nuts. I think it was Timmy Howard said he's like the craziest. Him and Royce and Drenth. That guy was nuts. That guy. And he's amazing. <laughs> he's guy, come out and been like, oh, my God, I'm so immature. I can't believe I did the things we did. But, yeah, of course, he'd score some goals for us, maybe. But, I mean, come on. It's just ridiculous that people would think that would be a viable thing at whatever wages he would want. Even with cut rate wages. Like, Remember, you hear the story about Brands when he found out what we were paying James Rodriguez because he really had nothing to do with that. I mean, everyone knew that James is a good player, but like apparently he had a heart attack. He was trying to like renegotiate the deal afterwards. And you're right. I mean, if you took a guy on like that, even for 150K a week, I mean, don't get me wrong. We need to use the loan market, too. So I think we should maybe look at some guys that are and try and get some. I mean, we need some guys that will help us now, but I mean, you don't want to allocate massive amount of money for it if, if you if you can avoid it. And with two loans, it's just, it's all absurd. I can't believe people. And our Valencia though. And our Valencia. <clears throat> There's yeah, the he, return. I'm surprised he, he didn't end up in MLS. 
at this point. Yeah. But that's, there it. was, there was a swap deal set up for him that, that got fumbled. But anyway, but now that we have change in the presidency CEO, Atlanta United with uh, leaving oh, the my, Seattle sound. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Alex, by the way, does the pod with the Sounders FC flag in the background. Maybe Cristiano Ronaldo will come to Atlanta um, because nothing says, I mean, it would be inner Miami, you would think, but um, us Sounders he- fans have said that Lodero is going to get us Suarez for, for many years now. So I'm still holding out. Mm, it's possible. He's looking for a club, but um, I digress. Um, yeah. There are only so many places that a guy like that can go to. And unless we're total shills for agents, I don't think you want to be that club. Um, okay. Moving on, uh, there's something going on in the soccer world right now that I've been watching a lot of matches of, and and some people might be noticing. It's called the World Cup. Uh, it happens every now and then. Um, Everton do have a couple players there, uh, but first, let's take a little pit stop with. I'm not even. I'm not going to read it. Why don't you read it? Um, yeah, I don't know whether I, I laughed <laughs> mostly at Damon here, but I'm like, really, dude, really? Yeah, at at Damon W Hawkins, he he saw something that he felt Ryan surely needed to put his eyes on and that was a clip it was a it was a poll from the economist and it said essentially what is the most important thing for a winning team to have in reference to the world cup and there were three options star players team spirit and data and luckily (laughs) team spirit was the winner at 77 (laughs) percent to hammer it home to ryan that Thousands of people disagree with the fact that team spirit is 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 garbage. According, and no to one thinks data matters. <laughs> that's right. Oh yeah, that's a great point. And yeah. star, star players, players is last. Like that's what? right. That's right. Star we don't players doesn't matter. It's talent. We don't re- need Ronaldo. Look, Saudi Arabia team spirit beat Argentina. That's, what more you can go. you say? Yeah, it had nothing to do with Renard's you know setup or anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's such a good tweet. I can't believe Hollywood. Wallace Hawkins, my friend, you've, you've made our day. Yeah. Star players like talent recruitment. Basically all I do is watch matches and then data. All I do is spit out data to defend my points and stuff. That is just the biggest slap in the face. 77% team spirit. I feel like that's gotta be made up. It's an uphill battle for you. It's an uphill battle for you, Ryan, to convince the world that maybe like data doesn't allow you to have spirit. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) This is not conducive. When I see that tweet, I think of, um, I can't remember which Jay and Silent Bob it was, maybe Strike Backs, where where they went online to the forums and like found all these people that were talking smack about them, but showed up at their doorsteps. And like, just, (laughs) I want to see the 6,000 some voters. I want every vote that's in my near vicinity that voted for Team Spirit. And I'm going to go to their house and I'm going to show them Team Spirit. (laughs) You're going to get a knock on the door, folks. So Road just be on the lookout. Watch it. Be, be on the lookout. <laughs> hey, I just hey take our stickers. We have a lot of extras. That's true. We have stickers. That's, that's <laughs> right. true. I'm going to bring that's them out uh, Thanksgiving and just put them on Vandalized random, random places in my hometown of Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, God, it's just so classic. So anyway, um, moving on to more important, realistic things like t- star players. Uh, Jordan Pickford being the star player for Everton and England is one of the individuals, one of the four individuals from Everton that are at the world cup. And in this case, he actually plays um, England one, six, two Pickford didn't have much to do. He did concede two goals. The first goal he conceded. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's a dude's crushed it in the upper corner. It would have been a tough save. Um, maybe he could have made it. I, I don't know. Uh, his reactions are normally pretty good. So I'm a little surprised he maybe didn't get a paw on it a little bit would have been a very difficult save. So I can't blame him. And the penalty just guessed wrong. 
his distribution looked pretty good, right? I mean, he was seven for 11 on long passes. Wish we had that at Everton. Uh, 13 for 13 on short passes. It, it, look, he didn't have much to do here. Um, I, you know, not much commentary in his performance. I don't think England just were absolutely hammering and just finishing like madmen. It does not bode well for the United States of America on Friday, does it? That was the only comment that I was going to add is England are going to be a problem for the boys in Harry the Red, Kane's White, out. Blue. I mean, does Rumor it even it. matter? They could miss half their it first team. Does matter. I mean, it does matter. But so we had someone on the Discord. I think it was Jonesy say that uh, they don't even need Kane. They they were going to rest him anyway because they've got a game a couple of days later. Which yeah, all I know is it makes the Iran match a must win, right? Based cool. on our based on our performance and well, okay. So let's talk about the USA and England in World Cups. Can we talk about that for a little bit? Right? No. Yeah. Does, does the name no, Robert Green ring a bell? <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so they haven't beaten us in decades. So there you go in the world cup because they haven't faced us anyway. And we tied last time that that's okay. Yeah. And we beat him in 1950, the greatest upset in the world in world cup history, except for the one this morning. So <laughs> yes, exactly. Anyway, so, so let's move on to our other participant and that's Andrissa Ghana guy. He played in a little different role for Senegal, didn't he? Yeah. They obviously lost two nil a couple late goals, but like, from what I saw, I saw some of the highlights. I wasn't able, haven't been able to watch as many of the matches as I would have liked, but looked really good. And he played more of a true CM role in a two. Um, they had, again, those was neck and neck, and they just kind of let it slip late to the Orange. And uh, good to see Ghana getting minutes. Different tactical setup for him, not playing as a true six, but he, he did well, all things considered, maybe showing a little bit of versatility that Frank should take note of. Yeah, it was, he, he was playing in a three uh, with, um, Two two Premier League players too, which is kind of funny, right? Leicester's uh, Mendy and and uh, Nottingham Forest former Palace man Chekuyate, um, big guy, six foot three guy. I think he's much better as a center back, but he actually played pretty well. And it was funny because it was pretty fluid. But if I would argue that Ghana was the most attacking of those three, he was taking set pieces and corners and stuff, and had a couple shots. He had one on target. That was a decent shot. He had eight recoveries. It was his own Ghani. He was tracking back at times five in his own half, but I mean, he was mostly pushing the ball wide. I wouldn't say he's like a massive creative force, but I mean, he got three touches in the penalty area. I don't think he's had more than one in like, has he even had one with Everton? But I it, highly it, doubt it. Right. But it was very funny to see him use that way. Uh, and, and it runs counter to a lot of people's ideas about him that he's and he's never going to be an expansive passing player and a dynamic attacker, but he certainly showed a lot more creativity and dynamicism than some others maybe thought he had. I'm looking forward to getting into the team assessment eventually because we do talk about him individually. His individual performance has been excellent. Um, if not, he may be our best player, at least numbers wise. And he's good. Senegal is totally hard done. I thought they, in the second half in particular, they completely dominated. And then they gave up one fantastic individual effort header, kind of a mistake, and, and Gakbo put it away, and then they buried one off the counter again. And I felt bad. I think Senegal's a pretty good team, but it is what it is. Look, he didn't get hurt. I know you also find this very surprising. Connor Cody did not play for England. Really unfortunate there. Shocking. They went with a back four, though, too. Yeah, they did. It'll be pretty much killed any of his chance. And even then, they might throw Dyer in there, right? Because that's you know been his shtick recently. Yeah, He's there for his... Locker room presence and locker room presence alone. <laughs> For what? He exactly? screams from the bench. So he's not a star player. His data doesn't look good. So why is he there? The most important part. Because he yells at guys in training and gets guys pumped up. 77% team spirit. That's Unbelievable. Right. <laughs> Unfreaking believable. He's got the team spirit. He's got the team spirit. 
Can't argue with the masses. I hate everyone. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on. Uh, Everton did actually play a match, which shocking. I, I don't know how many people actually were paying attention to it. I did watch it. I even took notes and all that stuff. Um, they played Celtic, and I, I actually think this is a good match for us because Celtic come out and they pressure and they're aggressive and they're a pretty good side. I mean, people are talking about them being a championship caliber side. Come on, they're a little better than that. I mean, that's they're a decent side, um, and they had some strong players in there. But our lineup was pretty curious, right? I mean, you know, obviously some people are missing. Some people didn't make the trip. But in particular, the midfield I found pretty interesting, and obviously Michael Keane getting a chance to see the pitch. I, I, were you guys a little surprised that we kind of came out and – a slightly different tactic. We went back to kind of the three in the back. Yeah, I mean, not only that, and and then as you said, the midfield, the biggest, the biggest part was you know, or the biggest surprise is the fact that Isaac Price started in the midfield. I was really curious to see, and I wasn't able to catch the match, but I, uh, from what I read, at least, it seems like Isaac Price looked quite good on the pitch, uh, for what it's worth. Yeah, I mean, as much as a nil-nil draw that <laughs> goes to penalties could yeah. be, we won. Interesting. We won in penalties, we, James. We're good at winning in penalties and. Foreign tours, I guess, right? That's the something. That's the whole other cup. But yeah, I mean, you know, Yeri Mina. We'll talk about him in a minute. Pick up another injury, but Patterson getting more minutes. Yeah, the, the midfield of Decore Price and the shift back. I mean, that's how we started the season, right? With the three at the back and kind of had to move away from it just because of the injuries. But you're wondering if Frank, in the search for solutions over this break, may just gravitate back to that formation as as an answer or potential solution to our atrocious form. We'll talk about that in the team assessment. Uh, but yeah, I think it might be a good idea. I, look, it was it was a mixed performance. Um, I will say this. Everton created a bunch of chances, though. I would say until kind of near the end, Everton created the bigger chances. Um, several off the counter. Gray had a decent chance early. The moped missed a chip. I mean, barely missed it, but yeah, it's always been his knock. His finishing hasn't been great, but his movement looked good. Gordon was running with the ball effectively as well, too. And I mean, even the second half, Gray missed Mopai and and a wide open. All he had again, shockingly, Damari Gray can't one touch a ball or has to take an extra touch. Unfortunately, that's kind of his his issue. Um, yeah, the moped got in another time, dribble past the key- keeper. So I mean, Celtic had a massive chance. Probably should have won it in the last couple minutes there, but really we suffered from poor finishing that doesn't still doesn't disturb me. I know, I know our finishing has been bad. Again, we'll get to those numbers eventually. Um, what I was a little bit more concerned about was the buildup. So it was good practice that they were pressing high big time. Um, and we were sitting back. I mean, the first 20, 25 minutes, we could not get it out of our own half. We just couldn't deal with the pressure. And I, I felt like that's where it was last year. Um, we haven't had that as much this year. Um, but I will say this. I agree, James. I mean, Isaac Price looked he, he had some bad plays. too. I mean, he looked like he was not quite Premier League ready, but had some moments of moving with the ball confidently, much like Lewis Warrington did have at times as well. Move the ball quickly, shown some some skill, some some good start stop movement, some athleticism. You know, he's very he's very skinny, you know. Um, but yeah, I, the other thing that was weird about it, it was chippy. I mean, did you guys see some of the tackles that were thrown in this thing. No, I heard they were bad, though. I mean, Price had one in the 31st minute. I've seen this video. I mean, should have probably should have been th- thrown a red card. DeCorey had one again that gave like John had a free kick where he hit it off the bar, which wasn't that dangerous, but that was from a DeCorey bad tackle. So later, Anthony Ralston, who was just taking people out right and left to Celtic, went knee to eat on DeCorey. DeCorey passed the ball like a full second. It's like in the NHL when you ram a guy afterwards. And that's exactly what it was. He went knee to knee on him. It was a dirty, dirty play. 
Um, I'm surprised if Tark saw it, I'm surprised he didn't come in with the flying elbow. You know what I mean? <laughs> and like um, Patterson was really fighting with Jota, but they've played against each other. And, and obviously he's a Rangers guy. So, you know, there's going to be battle. And the sad part is Mina looked great. I mean, relatively good. And there was no indication that he was injured. So it was strange to see him not come out in the second half. DeCorey came off, but you had a feeling that he might. Um, and then we made a really weird change, which is another interesting thing. Holgate comes in at right center mid or right center back and move Michael Keane to center back. McNeil goes to left mid, gray to right mid, Anthony Gordon to the eight in a two-man midfield. Um, why? I'm like, where is James Garner? Did you guys miss this? But um, you see the tweet I included from the bobble. Do we know Garner wasn't going to be there? No, I, I don't think anyone knew in advance. Yeah, apparently, according to the bobble, he has a back injury and didn't even make the trip. Um, news to me, big news to a lot of folks. Unfortunate because shows, uh, well, you know, when we're missing Ghana and others, when you have to resort to putting Anthony Gordon in center midfield, uh, kind of s- highlights the deficiencies and lack of depth in that area. Yeah, I mean, that makes the Tom Davies injury hurt more, right? Because yeah. Because really, truthfully, James Garner is probably the main guy that he would be competing with minutes competing with for minutes, right? You know, it's not, it's not Ducore or Onana, for example. I mean, Wobi can play in that position, but he was off. Uh, Nigeria had a friendly that I think he he played in. So that's why he wasn't, he wasn't there, but yeah, then you had Decorey come out, right? So Patty had this tweet too, that announced, I suppose the, um, the injury status of Decorey, which doesn't sound very bad, but very uh, strange. We haven't heard anything about Meany yet, right? Yeah, the tweet was that DeCorey is back in training ahead of Everton playing Western Sydney Wanderers, I guess, later this morning. We're recording at night. It's at like 3 a.m. Eastern time. Um, but still waiting for results on hearing Mina's hamstring scan, which feels like I've heard that message about 50 times in the last three years. Brutal. It's brutal, man. It's it's sad. It's unfortunate for a guy who has been, when fit, our best center back, but the injuries are just laughable. Like if you don't laugh, you'll cry for, for Mina and for Everton fans. Cause it's truly, he'll play less than 90 minutes in total and pick up some other knock. The guy's just, I don't know. And it's always with the legs. It's always the legs. It's gotta be crocked at this point, but I still, I just don't understand it. Where are we in modern science that we can't figure this out? I mean, he's not had surgery. I don't recall. So I mean, what, what, what gives, I mean, I just don't, yeah, it's just disappointing. It's disappointing and it's it's not great because we as we've talked about without Yeri, you know, we're kind of locked into maybe a style or we're limited very for sure in the build up and and how we progress and play, so yeah, uh, maybe just, Ben Godfrey could help a little bit from a stylistic standpoint, but I actually like him in a 3. But yeah, I mean, oh, he's yeah. a difference maker, man, and god, the numbers indicate as such. I mean, we're just such a better team when he's on the pitch, both offensively and defensively. The numbers are overwhelming, but you know, he he had, what, 33 games and then 29 games and back-to-back seasons, which isn't great, but it's not bad. And then last year, it was just a mess. And and maybe it's other people's fault for pushing in the lineup too early. I know yeah. some of Benitez's issue with forcing Dean out basically caused a shuffle and people got hurt and brought it back too early. Things like that. Godfrey, the same thing last year. That was a really bad situation. So part of that's on us, I suppose. But it's just, yeah, it, it, it is a, sh- a shame. And, it's just um, some, I mean, some guys are just, that's, it's not like a novel story that a sports player's career is derailed by repeated yeah, yeah. injuries. True. It's just tale as old as time. It just sucks that it happened to a player as impactful as you're, I mean, for us. But it's such a shame though, because in 2022, I mean, you could blow out an ACL and be back in a year. 
You know, right. just some guys, the, the lingering injury thing is not half as common as it used to be. It just seems like in his case, it is. The problem is the ability to go out and get a player of his caliber out on the market is hard. And we're yeah. going to have to do it in the summer. And that's a big allocation of resources, unless you can convince someone on a free like Indica to come to us or something. Although he would be a pretty good fit left footer, that type of thing. But, you know, he'll have lots of competition. So it's just it's hard. You know, it's at a tough spot, you know, and uh, we really needed him. And I felt like he could make such a, even the one match he played last year that I went to the Chelsea match. I mean, he was awesome. Yeah, like, he's just completely awesome. Took Havertz completely out of the game and. Not to mention he's hilarious and, and entertaining. He's as so well. funny. Everyone loves Gary. That's yeah, the other he, thing. You're right. He's very loved at the club, too. I mean, everyone talks highly of him. So it's such a shame. I was really hoping that he would make a comeback this year without the, the Columbia appearances. And we'd sign him for a couple extra yep. years and take a shot at him. And we'd have that position at least locked up for 75% of our matches. But it has not happened. And no. it just it doesn't look like it's going to at this point. Such a shame. Yeah, it feels like he's probably... We're probably looking for ways to to move him if possible, if anyone's even interested at this point, which, you know, he'll have suitors, but nothing like if he could have been fit for even like the first, you know, 14, 15 matches of the season. So um, I think that's all we had for this news bits episode. We do have a couple other episodes in the works over the course of this World Cup. We so stay tuned. We'll, we'll be doing a squad assessment on the numbers thus far this season compared to last year. And folks, I'll spoil it a little bit. They're not great. They are not great, but they are interesting to understand what Frank's trying to do and whether he's we can consider him a success. So we'll be recording that and releasing it over the course of the next few weeks. Got a lot of numbers. If you have any suggestions for any topics you'd like to see us cover as well over this lengthy break from Everton Football Club, feel free to reach out Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, you can email us uh, americantoffee at gmail.com. Find all of our socials and the link in the description. Remember to do all that stuff, Ryan. Any Alex, any final thoughts before we adjourn? I think we're good. I, I, you know, we'll talk about the assessment in the first episode and how we're doing it. There's a lot of content out there. Uh, I think some of it's insightful, and I think it's kind of a simulation of what you would do if you really wanted to kind of figure out where we're at really as a club and and what we can do before January. Then in January, we're going to talk about targets. We're going to get into that. We'll hit the rumor mill. Uh, we've got a lot of content coming, I think, over this World Cup time, and I actually have some time on my hands, so that's dangerous for content <laughs> development. <laughs> uh, but I'm excited to get into it. So, uh, But no, that's it, you know, and there'll be news, and we'll keep covering that as well. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We appreciate you all. Until next time, up the toffees. <laughs>